the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. Welcome to the Youthscape podcast with me, Martin Saunders, and her, Rachel Gardner. Uh, we are back. Welcome back Welcome to back. the Youthscape podcast innovation season. Because in the immortal words of Ross Geller, we were on a break. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, that was a strong start so to the second half. It's okay that I went away and made another podcast with the girl from the copy place. Oh, what? I'm going to track it down. What's it called? I, not really. <laughs> I, I, that, that joke has run its course. <laughs> He said, if you were listening, welcome everybody. If you were listening to the last season, the last half, mm. there was lots of chat about eggnog. And what have you and I done? Because oh. we're in person, we're back in the studios. What have we done on the way in to record the second half? What do we buy? Well, from we, Starbucks? we excitingly, we ordered off menu. Obviously, other, other coffee shops, other coffee shops, drive throughs are better. available <laughs> and probably have a better tax record. But, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes, I, we did just try. And Rachel asked for me. I did. In that sort of, because you don't mind asking. I I'm don't quite ask socially it, awkward. Yeah. But you don't mind asking. But I was asking the machine because it was a drive through. So I said, Do you have any eggnog? And the voice came back. What did she say? She said, Yeah, we have. And o- it wasn't oat milk. that. Oat milk. And I yeah. said, No, not oat milk. The horror that is eggnog. Can I have a bucket of it for my friend? So she gave us a bucket yeah, of eggnog. She had eggnog. Ooh. You know that was a real person. You know that wasn't a robot. I do. And I love it. I have lots of lovely chats. I do lots Aww. of evangelism around through, uh, through the takeaway. Do you? Do you find it easier to evangelise to drive through people? <laughs> Always talk to people about Jesus. I didn't actually didn't today, but I often do. I often ask people what they believe. What's the meaning of their life? They're like, come to the next window. <laughs> <laughs> and in many ways, that's what Jesus is asking us to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Come to the next window. Absolutely. Um, love it. Yes, that was, that was good, wasn't it? So that was great. Yes. That, that was a great, you know, flashback to Christmas, which has been and gone. We are recording this in the past, as you know, but not very far no, in the past. If you're listening to this on release date, we probably recorded this a week ago. Yeah, absolutely. So it is fresh. Yeah. Uh, and fresh in our memories is what we did last night. So yes. Rachel and I had a little trip last we night. Did. Well, it was big for me because I came down from Blackburn, down the A1 as the sun was setting, and we met in Peterborough. Yeah. Peterborough. Which is, I think you'll agree, in 2022, the centre of the known universe. That is fantastic. Very important. Everyone should make at least one trip to Peterborough in 2022. Interestingly, on the way from Peterborough, we will talk in a minute about what we did in Peterborough, but on the way from Peterborough to Luton, where I was staying last night, so you and Chris were in another car, I was on my own, needing to get petrol, needing to get food. I got a little bit lost in the fog around Peterborough's very flat isn't it mm. and there's lots of big kind of industrial units I got very lost drive sat now doesn't cope very well with industrial units yeah. I was contemplating sleeping in a lay-by I did think <laughs> that might have to happen did you get completely lost in the fog I did lost in the fog I thought that was going to be a, is that a new Bethel song yeah <laughs> it's just frozen I was frozen lost in the fog yeah but I eventually got it to lose it but anyway what were we doing why were we I thought you were going to go there was some Christian metaphor coming there I thought that was an object lesson I was lost in the fog and then suddenly suddenly I saw happened. the golden 
sandwiches. Oh, oh my yeah. goodness, we're naming them all today, aren't we? Anyway. I have lived on a diet of takeaways for the last couple of days. So what were we doing last We night? were Peter in Brown. Peterborough yes. to uh, talk to local youth workers, actually, about the satellites event in the summer. And also just to get people together for a, an, an evening of encouragement. Yeah, it certainly good. wasn't come to... Come for an hour and a half timeshare pitch <laughs> from Martin, uh, but I did do a I did do a, a, a pitch I'm about sure satellites. Um, but uh, you were sharing some inspirational things as you do, yes. and there was uh, there was some brilliant worship, and it was a lovely opportunity. Actually, it was the first time, apart from the National Youth Ministry Weekend, that I've sort of seen that many youth leaders yes, in a room together. It was yeah. about 50, 55 people there, which was great. Um, I think we had we had some interesting reflections, which is why we're telling the story. Yes. We had some interesting reflections on it. Yeah, and a lot of love and a lot of kind of, oh, oh gosh, yeah, actually we're still emerging from two horrendous years where in terms of ministry and youth leadership, we've been adapting and innovating and trying stuff and stuff has worked and stuff hasn't worked. We've had our own family situations, our home situations to cope with. But what struck me, because I made a joke about it, didn't I? When I got up, I said, if this was normal, as in Zoom, on Zoom, because that's our new normal, isn't it? We'd have all now paused, gone to the loo, checked a bit of Facebook, done a bit of a TikTok dance, got some toast, come back. But we don't do that now because we're back in person. And it, but it really felt like people were in the room, but we were still, we're so clever as human beings, aren't we? We adapt very, mm-hmm. very well. Yeah. And we've adapted to online life. Mm, absolutely. But actually the readaption or the kind of adapting to in-person space again, I think it's going to take a bit longer. Mm. And, and, I, and I suddenly thought, oh my goodness, th- this is tough for us actually yeah. to be back in yeah. this in this space together i don't know what did that well we had that at the national youth ministry weekend as well you know it was unbelievable when the goodness of god in terms of the timing of that because obviously the omicron variant appeared about a week later yeah um we had no one that we know of obviously do feel free to get in touch if i'm wrong um but we have no one that we know of who actually got covid at the event um but we had a lot of people who what i wouldn't say they were sitting passively but it that was the appearance. You know, mm. People sat there just looking, sitting, Receiving. looking mm. quietly, not talking to each other, not wanting to be prayed for, mm. uh, not wanting to move around. And and some of that is kind of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And as you say, some of it is we are conditioned now to sit and look at things. Yes. Um, yeah. And so we have to probably actively think about how we've been reprogrammed yes. yeah yeah yeah. and yeah. and expectations well i did i stood up the front so i uh, i my little kind of internal dialogue when i stand in front of people is i know that my weakness is that the less people listening give to me in terms of mm, yes smile the more i overshare oh, no. <laughs> it's just this thing i go into like they, they need more <laughs> they, need they, need, more. they need me to go stronger you know like oh. you know, they just, so I just know that in myself so I was like these poor people do not need me to share more they're just about coping by being in a physical space with me I can't do more but it is interesting thinking what I, I did stand there and think what what are our expectations now because on zoom my expectation is to receive some information yeah yeah to just to kind of get a sign of life that my colleagues and my friends are okay yeah. but actually I've, I've learned to kind of squash any expectation that it would feel life bringing actually I think that's mm. for me I don't I don't sit on a zoom prayer meeting and think this will be amazing or mm. I'm really going to encounter God I do it because I want that discipline of connecting with my Christian family and receiving some information but I don't expect that something will happen I mm. and last night I thought oh yeah that's 
wonder if that's one of the things that's happened is, is our expectations have gone down. We've yeah. just not expected much to happen. And I wonder what it would take for that to wake up in us. We're yeah. back together physically. God meets us in this space physically. Stuff could happen. Like we could yeah. be changed and we could minister to each other. Mm. You know, you being physically here with me now might change my life. Mm. So yeah, so that, I think that was all going through my head. I was, I was trying to bring some inspirational, perspirational thoughts, and you did bring many of those things. But um, I noticed some interesting things watching did the Rachel you? Gardner show. Um, <laughs> and, and and uh, what, one wonderful thing just to mention is that I think I've seen this before. Sometimes you you bring out of people a very encouraging noise. So <laughs> there's 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 always one person when Rachel speaks. Who, who, and they were right behind me this oh. time. Oh. If they were with you every word. Thea. I love Thea. Yeah. Thanks, Thea. Yes, Rachel. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's great. I need That's those so people. good. And so you're, you're talking mm. and she's kind of she like responding, yeah. commentating on every word. I, I imagine that feeds your soul. It That's does where feed you, my soul. It's like a battery for it's you. It's my ego. <laughs> yeah. It's very, it's very distracting if you're trying to listen. Um, but, uh, but it was lovely. Um, I noticed that also I took a glance at your notes. Right, wow. which I I don't normally do that mm. as we're friends, um, but I saw your your notes and it was interesting the way you'd structured it. You'd kind of because I watch dumped. you, yeah. and you when you speak. I hope this is interesting, people, because obviously lots of us try to give talks and none of us are quite at your level. But no, I'm not, um, I have no but, level. No, but level. you don't really look at your notes. No, so you do it all off the top of your head, which is amazing. I, I'd love to know what resemblance the talk you gave has to the mm. talk that was on the paper but you don't really look at your notes but you have got like a bit of a structure mm. like clearly on there so have mm. you got like a have you got actually a process you go actually. through can I you do. can you let us Ooh. into any of the secrets i think last night because it was a little bit last minute i prepared it it was much more of a kind of a, i think this is what i'm going to speak on so i just jotted down lots of ideas and i didn't yeah. when i when i stood up there i thought i'm not i'm not going to use this as a guide they're mm. just some key ideas and so maybe my insecurity meant i had that bit of paper mm. but i didn't look at it so yeah i do have and actually it was formed in the mighty years of schools ministry oh wow so about 20 years ago and i started life as a high school's youth worker in North London and suddenly realised that young people 20 years ago were not going to listen to me unless mm. I put some work in and got some relationship with them and actually crafted some stuff. So I thought, gosh, that assembly that looks, when other people do it, looks so su super spontaneous. I discovered they had a really good way of doing it. So I developed my own. So I actually, what I do is I have a very simple process in my head. Hook, tension, resolution, benefit, action. Those are the five things that wow. I will go through. If I write an article, if I write a book, if I write a chapter of a book, if I do a talk, if I do two minutes at the WI, it's hook, tension, resolution, benefit, action. Hook, so tension, hook, tension resolution, resolution, benefit, benefit action. action. Yeah. Can you very briefly talk us through those, please, Rachel Gardner? Why would somebody listen to me unless they have a sense that it's interesting? Mm. So the hook is, what would hook in this group of people to find it interesting? Okay. But straight away, you need to break the guessing machine because I might say, so last night my hook was close your eyes and think about the sky. Yeah, you that did, was a little, hook. Yeah. did a little thing, a little meditation. Yeah, I did. But the tension was, I read a verse about peace and God drawing us to himself. But the tension is, man, I hate that verse. Yes, yes. <laughs> because actually I wanted to break the guessing machine of people saying, oh, I know where she's going with this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know this. So you want to break that quite quickly. So yeah. you might start a talk by saying, I've come to talk to you about the importance of healthy relationships, but you want to then bring in the tension, but I know this is tough. 
Because if you lose people at that point, they're not going to listen. So you need to yeah. bring in the reasons why this is a really bad idea. Yeah. The resolution is, but actually let's unpack this a bit more and explore why, why, why maybe this is a good idea. So I tend to bring scripture in around the resolution point. I'm letting you in on my secrets. This isn't, mate. It's not just me, you know. You know that actually people listen to this. <laughs> but I think scripture, I think scripture is a really, it's, it's a wonderful way of unpacking scripture like what does scripture say here's an idea here's why it's not working it's broken but what does scripture say about this and then benefit and action is what difference would it make if i lived this yes what would be the benefit i think often as a communicator that's the bit i forget to give like why yeah. would somebody come to jesus and let him take that load off them what would be the benefit what would it look like if actually they did that and then the action is what do you want to go and do about that now and recognizing that in some church traditions People, their expectation is to do something there and then. Prayer ministry, response. For other people, they want to go in and think about it, but maybe want a little bit of help thinking what could those actions be. Now, I realise as I'm saying it, that sounds super slick and a bit manipulative. So I think we can use structures of talks to do the work for us, yeah. and we must never do that. Yeah, yeah. Or we can say, Holy Spirit, will you, you know what you want to say to these people. Yeah. And and then once I kind of have wrestled with scripture and been praying and thinking, once those ideas begin to move, this is the journey that I'll take that idea through. Yeah. Because you want to communicate for change, don't we? Yeah. You want to communicate so that people go away going, oh, oh, that, oh, that moves me on a bit in, in my thinking. So that, yeah. Rachel Gardner. I think that's so helpful. <laughs> I feel like people will actually, I hope you took notes on that. Aww. I have. And, you know, because a lot of us, uh, whether we're speaking to, you know, 50 yeah. people or, or 10 people, like we often have to give talks and write yeah. talks. Um, and uh, I don't know about anyone else who's listening to this, but I, I'm much more random than that. So I'm like, <laughs> oh, what's interesting at the moment? Yeah. Uh, and then I try and find something funny to say. Yeah. And then, <laughs> I, and then I read the Bible passage and just go through it. Yeah. Um, and uh, what you're suggesting there actually feels like, for the listener, there's a lot more to get hold of, mm. especially, you know, if you're feeling a bit lost in a Bible passage, like, yeah. you know, that's quite the way I do it can be quite alienating. What you're suggesting there is a really helpful structure. So, so I think people are going to have a go can with I that. Bring you my know? One more challenge, because I, I, I used to start with the hook. I used to be that what would make people like me? What yeah. would be a really cool talk? Of course you did. Now my challenge and I, what I try to do is I want to start with scripture. So I want to start yeah. with something something beyond me i want to start there and really pray around the passage and, and read around the passage and think about it and and really hold myself back from then then thinking oh it'll be the cool way in mm. but once you kind of sense what is it from this passage i really feel that jesus wants me to share then you do your what's the hook what's the way in and you think for these people that i'm going to be talking to mm. so so always make sure you speak to the room and i think my imposter syndrome means that i still have in my head the, the face of, of the kind of person I want to impress. Yeah. And I have to almost actively say, no, I'm not speaking to them. I'm speaking to so-and-so who's got such and such in their life and they need to know such and such. So what's the hook for them? What's the tension for them rather than what would make me look like a good speaker? So That's it's really challenging, good. isn't it? Really good. But youth ministry is a place that we often hone our voice the best. Yes. Because young people are the best at <laughs> helping us shape that. Yeah, so that we can be even better at speaking to young people not so we can go off and talk to adults. <laughs> All right? Yeah. Um, uh, we're going to do a, I think in the next few weeks, we're going to do an episode. We talk a bit more about imposter syndrome. So thank you for sharing a little oh, bit of yes, that. But I'm really going to drag you through it next next time, I think. Um, but this season, uh, so we're thinking about innovation um, and uh, and maybe some of what, 
Rachel's just said there has sparked some little mm. thoughts in, in you about how your work might get more innovative. Um, but we're talking to a number of guests over the course of this season um, about that subject. And uh, our guest today is Esther Swaffield, um, who uh, is at IJM, International Justice Mission. And um, uh, she is what she was one of our, or they were one of our partners for or innovation partners for the National Youth Ministry Weekend this year. So every year at MYMW, we produce three um, uh, full youth resources, which we kind of launch at the event and you can buy afterwards. Or if you've come to the event, you get all three for free. So it's a really good hook um, for the event, by the way, you should book in for next year. Um, but uh, but, but M- uh, IJM are one of our three partners this year. So I left the Bray off of her surname there. She's Esther Swaffield Bray, sorry. But I caught up with Esther Swaffield Bray uh, last week to talk about what it um, looked like to work together collaboratively. And here's what happened. Normally, we start these interviews in an um, important and interesting place. But um, I've just been chatting to Esther before, like before I started recording this, and I've realised our shared past <laughs> almost as children's TV presenters. Yeah. Like, you won't have the benefit of this as a, an audio listener, but I can see that Esther's wearing dungarees. So... Uh, just tell me what you just told me again. No, oh, Martin, you're now outing me publicly. No, we were just discussing our our shared passion for Blue Peter and how we both auditioned to be Blue Peter presenters back in the day. Although, Martin, I feel like you got maybe further along in the process than me. No, I, I didn't audition to be a Blue Peter presenter. I um, I did. Uh, I, I was kind of like being, being, I was on a scheme to be a kind of, CBBC broom cupboard presenter. So go. I used to go up to. This is absolutely true. I used to go up to Television Centre, as it was, and uh, and meet with the head of children's presentation. And he was going to get me to be on it. Like I was on the I was on the scheme to present this thing. And then he said to me one day, "I just don't think you're quite right for this." And he sort mm. of gave with the one hand and then took away with the other. So he said, "You know, you're you're probably a bit too smart to do this." Did he really like, say oh, that? That's really kind. And then he said, and also you really need to be more attractive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, so brutal. You know, well, I'll take the I'll take the, the, the yeah. vague compliment. Um, you, you auditioned to be a children's TV presenter as well. Yeah, well, yeah, I did audition to be a Blue Peter presenter, but I am... Um, yeah, I didn't didn't get as far as I'd have hoped. I still feel they sort of, yeah, missed a trick there, if I'm honest. Oh, they missed you. I feel like, Esther, you you are the consummate Blue Peter. Peter well, presenter. thank you. A lot of enthusiasm, whether there's enough substance is the question. But I do have the badge. I do have the badge. I feel very and, proud of. And the dungarees. And the dungarees. There we go. Uh, what a strange place to start talking Brilliant. to. But, uh, Brilliant. <laughs> but if Amy leaves it in. Great. Um, so Esther, we're, we're chatting today, uh, we're chatting this season about innovation mm-hmm. and um, we're going to talk in a moment about a project that we've worked on together that many people listening to this might actually have now on their shelf. Um, but before that, just because some people won't know about the wonderful organisation for which you work, just tell us a little bit about IJM. Sure. So, you know what, it's been such a joy to be working with you guys over the last, well, two and a bit years now on this project. Um, But yeah, for those um, who are new, IJM, International Justice Mission, we've been working with 
you skate for the last um, little while on uh, the Freedom Challenge. And that is all about um, helping this current generation uh, connect with the work ending slavery around the world. So IJM, International Justice Mission, we work all around the world, on the ground, in the trenches, partnering with governments and local authorities, specifically tackling issues of modern slavery and, and human trafficking. Um, so we're the world's largest anti-slavery organisation um, and we work um, in partnership all around the world to actually see systemic change happen. So although we're working, yes, very much to, to get individuals out of those horrendous situations, whether that is cases of forced labour slavery, of human trafficking, of, um, of, of child trafficking, of, of sex trafficking, while we're working to get people out and get them free from those situations, we're also working at the other end of the problem as well. So helping governments affect systemic change, training police forces, training social services all around the world. And, um, and as a result, we're seeing thousands of people set free each year, but we're also seeing massive systemic change come too. Um, you know, in places where we've worked, we've seen rates of slavery decrease by up to 86%. So it's kind of that both ends um, of, of the work, um, both individual stories and cases, individual rescue operations of, of kids and families, but then actually looking at, okay, where are the gaps in the system? How do we as a Christian, Jesus chasing, loving organisation actually help to affect change on a big scale? And the good news is it's working. We're seeing God do miraculous stuff around the world. And it's been a real joy to partner with with Escape over the last couple of years as we've been um, yeah, helping to connect this generation with these really, really urgent justice issues. So um, I'm going to be a bit like the head of children's presentation at, uh, at the BBC, um, both a positive and a, I guess a, a more challenging question. Mm. So um, first of all, what is clear to me is young people really are switched on by yeah. this particular call to action. So there's something about the empathy of 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 thinking about an, a young person somewhere else in the world who may have just had a different uh, a set of opportunities, born in a different place, and and as a result, really, have, have got the most horrific life to deal with and contend mm -hmm. with. And this idea of 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 slavery is just so abhorrent, yeah. like on every level, and it just seems to connect with young people, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um. There are more people in slavery today than ever before, and issues of slavery do disproportionately affect young people. You know, one in four victims of trafficking or slavery around the world um, is a child. That's a massive proportion. Um, and, and yet, we know that this generation, Gen Z, have a special passion, a special... Um, yeah, I guess um, emphasis on social justice in their walk, in the way they're communicating, in the way they're connecting um, around the world. And so so whilst this problem is massive and is as big as it's ever been, you know, we really believe that Gen Z, this generation coming through, could be the generation to actually stop this for good. You know, they have an amazing passion for social justice. And what we want to see is that that passion connect with real change on the ground, connect with the, the discipleship journey that they're on, connect with their heart for Jesus too. Um, because God is doing something and stirring this generation. And um, actually the resource we've been working on, Martin, is all um, about connecting the story of one individual who is a teenager himself, who is a guy called Godwin, who has probably a, a similar journey to lots of the youth that some of us will know and that is really bright, really enthusiastic, um, stuck in at school, stuck in with sport and his local community. And yet he's a teenager when he was tricked and, and trafficked actually into slavery in the fishing industry. 
in Ghana where he's from. And um, when IJM and police worked to find him three years later, um, his priority straight away wasn't just to remove himself and get himself sorted, move on, forget. His priority actually was to go back and to lead teams then to, to find other young kids that have been trafficked similarly to him. And thanks to his courage and bravery, another 29 young people were free. Wow. Now that's one one teenager, one young person in Ghana. But that is the same story. What we want to see replicated, isn't it, across the young people that we're working with, that their priority is actually to see change on behalf of others who who yeah could can benefit from that. So um yeah that that empathy and that sense of justice um we yeah we believe God's doing something special in this generation and, and how we help help lead that through is, is and really I think exciting. as youth leaders as youth leaders we kind of sense that as well. Yeah. And I've I've had that experience of being at at events, big events are particularly good for this, actually, I would mm-hmm. say that. But, um, but you know, creating a moment of clarity for young people where they get mm-hmm. a chance to experience what it looks like for a young person who might look a bit like them, but mm-hmm. has had a very, very different set of circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the, that was the, um, that was like underarm bowling, wasn't it, in terms of interviewing? Tell, tell us more about the great opportunity for young people here's, here's the trickier question um and i know you've got i know you'll have a great answer for this but one of the challenges that's often kind of leveled at, at, at um, organizations that work in this area is what happens once they are free so you know you've got you've, you've got a, an antagonist there somewhere in the background who who is, is is very upset that they've now lost their meal ticket as it were yeah. And they're, they're very incentivized to recapture people and to find more people to come into this system. And then you've got the um, the freed slave who is is now having to enter normal life, which could be completely alien to them. So, mm-hmm. so what's what's going on in that world? Like, how does that side of the? Because we hear a lot about the rescue side of yes. the threat, but but I'm guessing you're involved in the other side as well. So, how does that work? Yeah, massively. Um, I mean, there are two parts of the puzzle here in terms of that after, um, yeah, post, post-rescue, post post-release situation. And the first um, actually is the aftercare of that individual. So an individual like Godwin from Ghana um, will uh, work with um, our teams, will work with him, teams of social workers, teams of local aftercare providers to basically provide him with everything he needs um, to not only be physically free, um, but actually to walk that long journey of, of healing um, and restoration. Uh, and that's through world-leading trauma-informed care and counselling, if I'm honest. Um, and that is often a really, really long journey. And you can imagine that the sort of care and support that um, a young person who's been trafficked into the fishing industry versus uh, a teenage girl who's been trafficked into a brothel or a grandparent that's been working in a sweatshop for decades. The care they'll need is, is actually really different. Um, so, so that is tailored to each individual um, and will be that individual will be supported for as long as it takes until we are, are confident that, that they're no longer in, in jeopardy or, or, or vulnerable to, to being re-trafficked. Um, it's often, like I say, a long, a long journey. And, and one that we're very, very committed to alongside local partners. So it's always that work and partnership that makes that sustainable. Um, and then the second part is is the, 
the sharp end in, in a way, and that is the actual um, working alongside perpetrators. So um, you're, you're spot on in terms of these uh, people who are uh, trafficking and enslaving and abusing violently others um, often aren't brave. They just think they can get away with it because they're in a lucrative business and um, think they can get away with it. So um, the good news is that in uh, 2022, slavery is illegal pretty much everywhere in the world. But what often isn't in place is a system to enforce the law. So um, what our teams do, again, alongside local police, local justice services, magistrates, etc., is ensure that person is held to account so that they can't, can't go out and re-traffic an individual. They can't just go out and and set up another um, operating, you know, brothel or operating business. They can't just go out and find another family to put in a sweatshop. Um, so we actually hold them to account and help police say, you know what, this is illegal. What you've done is uh, is illegal. And, and actually, you need to be held accountable for your crimes. And, and what we find is that the minute that you start holding individuals to account, the rates in the local areas will plummet because suddenly the message is going out that you can't carry on doing this with impunity. You, you, you can't keep trafficking, tricking, abusing um, those with seemingly less power and get away with it. Um, and, and really that's where we see that the systems start to, to repair itself as those wheels of justice start to turn as a message goes out um, and that creates a safer environment for, for everybody. So two, two parts of that, there's that direct care of survivors and ensuring they have all the tools they need to be to flourish and thrive and be all who they're created to be. And then there's that actually holding the perpetrators to account so they can't go and abuse other people too. And um, when you do those things in tandem, it is super powerful in creating long lasting change. Absolutely. And and that is why there's so there's lots of great organisations working in this area. Personally, I really love IGM. I have done for a long time. I bang on about it a bit. Um, and so um, this is not like a, you know, this is not an advert for IGM, but um, but I think, you know, it should give youth groups and youth leaders listening to this confidence that it's a great organization mm -hmm. to support and get behind and to that end we've been working on a resource together for about nine million years <laughs> feels like it anyway hey we're um, nothing if not persevering you know <laughs> and we so um so it was actually one of the resources that we uh, released at the national youth ministry weekend uh november just gone um, so some people will have it. You might want to like get it in front of you right now as you listen to this. Um, and some people will not, but can get hold of it. Um, so why don't you just tell us, first of all, just uh, tell us about it, what it is, and then we'll dive into some of the process stuff. Sure. So, yeah, so we've been working, um, yeah, in a beautiful partnership over the last few years in, in creating this resource, the Freedom Challenge, which is all about um, helping young people connect um, their passion for social justice, um, their passion perhaps for Jesus with what is going on around the world and the real life um, struggle of injustice and particularly injustice of modern slavery. Um, so what the Freedom Challenge does is it takes the structure um, and the concept of an escape room challenge. We've made that super easy for you guys to put on in your local church and walk through the story of one individual uh, called Godwin, um, who I mentioned, who... Um, whose story is a remarkable story of courage and justice and basically walks 
through um, his story through a series of super innovative, super engaging, really fun challenges, um, codes to crack, um, puzzles to solve um, through this structure of an escape room. And basically, as teams work through it together, so um, young people work with one another to basically work out what has gone on in Godwin's story, they gradually uncover a piece of the jigsaw um, of what has meant that he's been able to get free and stay free, and what has meant that he's been able to walk with courage in order to go back and see others set free too. So it's basically an escape room in a box. We've provided everything that you need um, in order to put it on and make it a super fun um, evening. So. Um, it's basically putting together with lots of items that you should be able to find around your home or your church or get hold of super easily. Um, and we've uh, created it um, for your young people initially, but then in uh, with the idea that they can then turn into leaders in this space, which we know they already are, if we're honest, mm -hmm. and put it on for your local church, local community. And then, Martin, if that wasn't enough, we've uh, got a whole load of follow-on sessions which go with it too, which dives much deeper into this justice calling um, mm. and, and how we can respond with our everyday lives to that call to seek justice and seek freedom for those who are captive around the world. So um, it's a super exciting project. We're buzzing about it and really excited to help young people really connect in a really fun, engaging, innovative way. So what I love about it is you you build the thing, but then you, you, you having run, run it with your young people as a youth activity, mm. they then run it for their local community. I think that's really clever. Um, and and also it kind of it, it gives an enormous lifespan to it. It, it rewards a bit of investment, um, but it but it frankly, as you said, it turns young people into justice leaders, and yeah. that's how discipleship happens, isn't it? It's by actually getting them out there and and not becoming a passive consumer or recipient of something, but actually leading others in it. So that's really exciting. Yeah, really exciting. And like we say, like this generation already get the justice thing. This is about helping them connect that, putting their, um, yeah, I guess their feet where the chat is, um, actually moving, you know, not just on social media, that's an amazing tool to be an activist and a social justice advocate, but actually putting that into what they're doing on a Friday night, putting that into their local community and leading the way in doing so. Um, so yeah, I would recommend get a team around you and give this a go. Um, if you've got some young people who are super keen on this stuff already, why not, yeah, help help them lead it for their peers to start off with and um, uh, and then see how you can go big with it in, in the local community. If people don't have it already, how can they, how can they actually get a copy? Uh, I believe, Martin, you can get it on the Youthscape website and the Youthscape yeah. store. Um, if you check out um, yeah, the Youthscape website and the store, you'll see the Freedom Challenge on the product list there. You can order it and you get a beautiful kit which has um, an amazing guidebook, which has everything you need in it. You've got a USB stick with all the resources. Um, you've even got some uh, jazzy wristbands so those who complete the challenge can, can wear it with joy. But basically, we've put together everything you need in a really um yeah accessible easy to use kit so yeah on the youthscape website on the store awesome so um let's talk just a little bit about that how we got there so we, we joked about how long it took we, we did covid gave us an extra year actually but um <laughs> but it was pretty intensive pro process yeah. um what was that like you know from your perspective what did you see kind of going into this that was kind of a bit of an extra layer of creativity and development hmm I have to say it was a brilliant process working with with you guys, Martin, in terms of that 
real commitment to innovation and real commitment to um, going out and, and listening and speaking to young people around um, like what might help ignite their passion in a brand new way for this stuff. And um, that's something as IJM that we've, um, yeah, that we're really passionate about is that idea of social listening and about going out and speaking to your constituents and helping them move from just being consumers, whether that be of stories or, or content, um, but actually then moving to that next step of creativity, which says, okay, but how do we help you put feet on the ground? How do you, how do we move from just consuming or reading um, something to actually um, connecting with real world issues and then taking action which then needs to change. And I guess we were coming from that perspective into the process of saying, okay, what would it look like to not only raise consciousness around an urgent issue of, of slavery, of trafficking, but then go that step further, which says we're gonna engage on a heart level and take action. Um, so it was a long process. And what was great as we started off, I think um, Martin, you were in the initial session, we started off with a bundle of ideas and blue sky thinking gradually over a number of months whittled it down, took it to young people, tried it out, refined it, put it to young people again. Um, so it's a long old process, but I actually think what that means is we've ended up with something really meaningful, really different, really creative, and that will hopefully actually lead to change. Um, and that's the aim really, rather than a, a game for game's sake or a resource for resource sake to actually lead to change um, yes, at the end of the exactly. day. And, it, and I think a sort of illustrative, there's a couple of illustrative points here for innovation. One is we did not start by any means by saying, oh, we want to do an escape room. No. Like, although escape rooms are a big, a big thing in the culture, have been for the last sort of five, 10 years, we didn't come to this and go, how do we shoehorn our idea of an escape room into this? What we started with was, here's the challenge. We want to help young people and youth groups connect with this big picture and how, you know, what does it look like to um, uh, understand and then uh, and take a stake in, participate in yeah. um, fighting injustice? You know, that was the starting point. Um, and then that's, it just so happened that we ended up with um, a, an escape room as a result of that. The other thing I, I you know, just noticed, because I, I didn't, I, I like to look like I'm really involved in these things, but I wasn't at all. Um, what I noticed about this was um, how much kind of testing and piloting there was. So we ran this with different groups, didn't we? And, and actually um, uh, in Luton, I think in other places, ran, ran the, built the thing, ran it, and then had people um, leading others through it as well. Yeah, 100%. So rather than doing something in isolation where you present a done deal at the end, much more of a collaborative process. And you're right, starting off with what is that big picture why? Um, around connecting yeah hearts for justice leading to change what is a big picture and then building to building towards that sorry so um yeah went through many cycles it wasn't a quick process at all um but going through many cycles of refinement um of back and forth actually work on the messaging which changed quite radically from when we first um first began kind of thinking around the idea of an escape room, actually really working hard on the messaging so that um, ensuring that we weren't just coming in with a kind of pre-made story that we'll see how that goes, but actually 
thinking very, very carefully around actually the details of individual words, how we craft it, the journey that young people are going to go on. Um, so yeah, it's, I guess it's a process that takes time, um, yeah. but one that I guess we hope and pray and believe will have therefore infinitely more impact um, as it's thoughtfully crafted. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we really kind of recommend that people um, get hold of a copy. Um, you can get it on the Youthscape store, uh, youthscape.co.uk forward slash store. It's there in the product list. Um, and our hope, I guess, is that we start to hear stories of, uh, of youth groups that are kind of taking this on and running it. Um, you know, I guess what what's your, uh, this is my last question, really, mm. but what is your... Um, What's your sort of overall overall hope for this as we see it start to kind of get out there? And as I, I say this in faith as we're recording, um, you know, COVID cases are starting to come down. Um, I say that now mm. as we're recording in mid-January. Uh, you know, as people are starting to get back to some kind of normality of, of youth group, whatever that means, you know, what are you hoping to see? Mm. You know what, on a big level, Martin, if I could be so bold, um, we really believe that Gen Z could be the generation that, that stops slavery for good, honestly. And whilst we've seen that there's amazing progress that's been made in the movement to end slavery, um, you know, sadly, at the moment, you know, the problem is bigger than ever due to things like the pandemic and, cl and, and climate change contributing to this giant problem and yet young people today we know have an amazing passion for social justice so the big vision today is is that gen z have an amazingly powerful part that they could play in ending slavery and we've developed the resource to actually give them the tools and the knowledge and the inspiration to do so um and that is a big vision it's a massive vision but one that we believe is possible and I guess the second part of that is particularly for, for Christian young people and those on a journey towards Jesus is, is to see that their passion for social justice is not separate from their walk with God. That those two things go, go hand in hand, that justice is an integral part um, of their relationship with Jesus. And so I guess this, the second part as well is, is to help um, young people harness their, their passion for social justice and, and connect it with their journey with Jesus. And, and give young people a way to turn their faith um, in God into practical action that, that, you know, invites change around the world. So young people, we believe this generation could end slavery. The second of all, they're going to do it hand in hand with Jesus. So that's the vision. That's the hope. <laughs> that's the pride for this resource. Oh, it's great to hear that conversation and to hear a little bit about the process because we, you know, even myself working for Youthscape, I sit in the National Youth Ministry Weekend and I receive a resource that I've not been directly involved with. Mm. And it's so good to think about this journey behind the scenes. And I guess, Martin, you know, organisations might have similar, you know, big kingdom vision and goals, but we do things differently. We have different cultures. And so when organisations come together to innovate, there's going to be challenges. Yeah around that i mean can you speak into that a little bit yeah. how, how are those resolved i think i think i don't i haven't checked with them but i don't think igm would mind me sharing this um you know when you've got two organizations two teams working together on a creative project even if they've got a very clear shared goal there are going to be different 
viewpoints and tensions and also places where an organization says, ah, this crosses a line for us. And so where that actually became a problem for us is uh, the use of the words escape room. And so, if you actually look at the, um, the the kind of title of the of the on the on the bag itself, it actually says an escape room style adventure. Wow! Yeah. And that was our resolution. Yeah. But um, we actually, you know, IGM quite understandably said we we're not sure that we feel comfortable with you know creating something which is an escape room when we deal with yeah. you know helping slave you know people in slavery yeah, to escape, escape from yeah. it you know is that the right language uh, and so on so there was a lot of backwards and forth on that actually but i wouldn't um, even think about that so that's that's fascinating isn't it and you think actually even the wording and the language let alone mm-hmm. the content yeah. you bring so much to the table when you come at it from such different perspectives because you see things like they saw that and we never saw that there'll be yeah. things that we will see about the actual process of innovation yeah. that they think well no we know we, you know we know this stuff so so bringing that down now to a local yes. church level because we you and i talk quite a lot about unity and, and yeah. you know that's something that I know is so passionately on the hearts of youth workers around the UK. You know, we want to work in partnership and collaboration. But again, on a local level, you know, the thought of of, of joining up two youth groups can feel quite challenging, mm. let alone trying to create a resource together when you've got vastly different church structures, traditions, experiences. Mm. Like what might be some of the tensions for a youth worker who wants to collaborate on something you know, running a lunch club or running an event. What, 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 what? Yeah, I mean, you do, you know, on one level, y- unity is a, it's a wonderful idea until you put people and <laughs> theologies yeah. and, and traditions on the table. And then it becomes really messy and difficult. And so, you know, we, we've seen situations where even we as Youthscape have, have, have thought about working with someone and actually we found that there's a, a bit of a theological place mm-hmm. where we can't, can't actually, you know, co- coexist. Yeah. Um, and so uh, so we've not been able to work with people who are our friends. Yeah. Um, and I think that happens on a local level as well. And we have to be respectful of the fact that there are denominations, individual churches, uh, even leaders who have very strongly held kind of uh, theological positions that they've thought and prayed through. Um, and and they, they feel that because of those, that's a red line they can't cross yeah. and therefore they can't collaborate on something. So that might be the... the the big tension, the big obvious tension. Um, when I think it works best is when you are you're meeting to try to um, uh, respond to a need mm. in a community that you both have a, an interest in, um, but maybe bring different things too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in in a local level, uh, you, you know, you you might see a real need in your community for some kind of youth provision mm-hmm. or um, mental health support or food mm-hmm. for people and it might be actually that by working with another church that has a similar that sees that need as well uh, or another organization locally actually by pooling your resources and your manpower and your money you know and all the rest yeah. of it you can actually achieve way more together than you can alone yeah. now that now what is innovation In, you know i mean we asked that question a lot probably in this series already um but but innovation is about kind of use using our creativity to resp- like to usefully respond to a to a challenge mm. and to find 
a new way of doing things that actually begins to bring a new solution, a new answer to that to that question, that challenge. And that's an exciting thing to do with others. Mm. It's exciting to be able to meet with others and say, like, what it, what could we do together that we probably couldn't do on our own by pooling our resources, but also our cre- creative imaginations, our listening to the Holy Spirit. You know, what is it that we could achieve together? Um, and, and I think that's exciting. Yeah. I wonder if sometimes our positivity, though, is a little bit of a barrier to innovation. So if I'm thinking about the context I'm in, what I hear Mm. quite a bit from those that want to really get involved in is, well, it's obvious what these young people need. Mm. What Mm. they need is X, Y and Z, which sounds really positive and really helpful. But that can prevent an innovation process happening because people come to the table saying, well, I know. I know, I know what young people need yeah. because when I was young, this yes. is what I needed or because I wanted the church to do this. So I, I, I think something that's quite challenging about innovation is getting ourselves into a new headspace, yeah, isn't yeah. it? That actually you don't need people around the table who think they've got the answers. No. You need people around the table that are curious yes, um, and who want to, with young people, you know, for young people, with young people, Look at this. And I, and I and so I think it has shifted, even doing this series with you, it's shifted a little bit, I think, the culture of the team meetings that I'm part of in our mm, own church mm. setting. It's shifted how we you know, we leave certain things. I used to leave them unchallenged. I'm now like, no, no, no I don't yeah. think this is about yeah. us doing what you want. I think this is about us together yeah. looking at what these young people need. So I think that's, that's quite interesting. And I wonder, do you think there might be tension, Martin, if a lot of our volunteers have been volunteering with us a long time maybe they remember some heydays of youth ministry 20 years ago that was different um and maybe also they're they're from a generation where Mm. this is fairly new thinking like how do we how do we equip maybe i'll name it but how do we equip some of our older volunteers who are so loyal and we couldn't do it without them but maybe this kind of thinking feels like we're taking something from them how do we equip them so i think i think good innovation all innovation really begins with listening it begins before the idea it begins with research like research is quite a heavy word so listening's a bit easier but it but it's about looking at your community and asking again like what's really going on here now the opposite of research is something which uh, has been called the narrative fallacy So the narrative fallacy is where you essentially uh, look at a situation and say, I've been through this enough times that I know the story here. I know what the story is and therefore I can predict the outcome Mm. because last time the outcome was this. Or because we know our young people, we've lived in this community, we know know how it ends. And Mm. so you, you convince yourself that there is a narrative that cannot be changed and cannot be broken. Where you see this in the kind of in the outside world, beyond our little one, um, is uh, you know when you see somebody who um, uh, a stock market crash happens and a pundit appears and says, "Well, of course, mm. this was always going to happen." Yes. Now it's interesting that the pundit was never there in advance of the crash, saying this is going to happen. They're always there afterwards to say, look, we've seen it before. This was always going to happen. You see, after a football match, of course they let in that goal, that defender we've been saying isn't very good. Now, of course, they weren't saying beforehand that defender wasn't very good. And the same thing happens locally. We, you know, we get into this entrenched way of thinking that that things are always like this and, and we know best. The only way to break that is through research, is through listening again, is through going out and interviewing people because the conditions in our community are constantly evolving and changing. And so, you know, what was true a year ago or even a week ago is not necessarily true uh, today. What we were talking about at the start, you know, neither of us, neither of us went into that room last night mm. believing that 
people would be in the place that they were, more reserved, a little bit more held back. This is not a criticism. No, 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 no. But just like they, observation, they, they yeah. just needed... This has been tough. A, it's been tough yeah. and they, they, they love to worship, but in some ways they weren't ready for, for more than that. Um, both of us now have got... We've got yes. our own little narrative fallacies. We've got our own explanation yeah. of like why why that's happened and what's going on there. But we didn't walk into the room thinking no. it was true. And the only way that we could have known is if we'd sat and talked to people beforehand and we'd had sat down and looked again. So the conditions in your community are always changing. You've got to keep asking questions. You've got to keep talking to people and listening. And I think involving older people in that is a very long answer. Mm-hmm. Very long answer well, to your answer question. That. It's a good answer, though. It's great. But, um, but we need to involve everybody in that listening process. I love that. That's such wisdom. And I think particularly now, we, yeah, we, we've had two years of COVID. We don't know what the rest of this term or rest of January, from the point where we're sat here, we don't know what's going to happen in February. Um, and so, but I think sometimes there, there can be a weariness and a tiredness when things move so rapidly and so much listening is needed. That can feel overwhelming, can't it? Mm. Like not only have we got to come up with some really good ideas, but we've got to keep listening to some really difficult, painful stuff that we all want to move on from we don't want to kind of see how tough it is but I think one of the things that you said last night which was so beautiful which is of course let's not forget any conversation about innovation this is not us with a blank sheet of paper thinking what the heck should we do you know we are inspired by the Holy Spirit who you know is absolutely imminent present with us and Mm. has the resources of heaven available for us Mm. and is full of hope and is our source of hope and light so even as we seek to listen again to young people that yet again are struggling and we're Mm. and we're maybe seeing now Martin some of the sort of slightly longer term impacts of lockdown and COVID that are going to feel longer to get through the holy spirit is here with the most beautiful gentle powerful wonderful you know mind-blowing ideas and and hopes and dreams and that's exciting that we can step into that amen to that amen to that amen to that so that probably feels like a good place it to, does. to close today. For you to finish drinking your eggnog. How much have you got left? No, I only three gallons. Oh, it's going to be good. Oh, it's going to fill up your belly. Lovely. So uh, one thing to mention. Yes. I, I did mention the National Youth Ministry Weekend. You did? You uh, snuck that in which there. You can, which you can find out more about uh, youthscape.co.uk slash mymw. In November next year. This uh, year. I also have mentioned a couple of times that we have a rather important festival happening. A what? In the summer. In the what? I can't imagine the summer right now. Uh, no, but everybody should imagine the summer. Yes. It's very important that they do. Nights uh, of the 13th of August at Peterborough Showground. Just a reminder that you can get the uh, Freedom Challenge that we were talking about um, and you can get it for £20 on the Youthscape store. It's absolutely brilliant. It is brilliant. an escape room style mm. adventure in a box. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's three rooms that you can set up and run with young people. And the beauty of it, as we talked about earlier on, is that you can uh, you run it with your youth group, but then, but then they can then turn hosts and host it and run it for others in your it's local brilliant. community. So there's so much depth to it. Uh, it's really worth you having a look at. Check it out on the Youthscape store, youthscape.co.uk forward slash store. Anything else from you, Rachel? No, although excitingly, where we are sat, we're actually physically sat next to the store. Oh, the cupboard. Physically. So while you were saying all that, I was like, 
oh, I actually might go and do a bit of shopping. Yeah. I might go and do shopping in the store and take a load of stuff out. Because I think that Freedom Challenge, I'm just suddenly thinking, my high school that we uh, we do lots of stuff in, the year sevens, they, they're part of the RE curriculum this term is living faith. What does it look mm. like to have a living faith? So I think I might go and see if they want to run that in school because they're really up for doing, for getting young people out of the classroom into different spaces in the school, still wearing their masks. So I think that some of us might be able to use this in a whole range of range of ways so get it i'm I, gonna shop him i sometimes go into the stock cupboard do you smell things you might think that's not inspirational but it is because you think oh gosh imagine these resources going out into yeah. the hands of youth groups all around the country isn't that exciting but don't, don't you think that stuff smells nice okay I'm, I'm, nice, I'm probably yeah. nerding out that it does we spray don't it with stuff think, it yeah. smells like that new book smell i love that yeah, new yeah. book smell we actually put that in oh i love it so i just go in there and go and it feels like my lungs with chemicals and it's great. So you <laughs> drink your eggnog. I'll go sniff some pages I'm going to lock you in the stock cupboard and you can <laughs> try and escape. Yes, that could be the challenge. Old oh, friends, it's so good to be back with the second half of this and uh, get ready for next week because we're going to explore this theme a bit more about unity, collaboration, partnership a bit more next week. You have been warned. <laughs>